0: To break the ice, I have a written question here which might be easiest to start things going with. person asks that I <laughs> spoke about letting go of individual points, of sensations. How do you understand the term one-pointedness? How does it apply here? Yeah, Well... I think, you know, points have value when they have a value. Um, Maybe points where you say, Whoa, what's that? Oh, then, you know, something draws your attention. Uh, But setting up the template, which is one of a, more like a field or a canvas, so that you can notice points of struggle or points of joy or whatever sort of luminous sparkles across that. But so, and then resolving those, so that as those are resolved, the field becomes pretty stable and steady, and this is happy, joyful, and this is samadhi, like that. Now the term one pointed, which the person alludes to, is in the Pali is called ekagata. And where this is used, is an example where the Buddha says, "I was reviewing this and that struggles of the household life, and this, and this and Eventually, my mind became one-pointed. Therefore, I established when my mind was one-pointed, I established mindfulness. Now, what he meant was one-pointed purpose." I was dealing with this and that, and I've just got one aim in mind, which is to do this, and then I established mindfulness. Um, and that's how it's used. So it's really one pointed intention. Uh, one pointed intention, rather than one pointed attention. <coughs> this does mean that the organ. Is focusing isn't the attention mind, which is called manas, but the intention, intention mind, which is called chitta. So manas means it's that aspect of mind which picks up particular data. It's, it's, it attends it attends to the data in the senses, including its own thoughts, picks up particular pieces of data. That's called manasikara, the activity of manas. Chitta deals with impulse, intention, being affected and responded. Right? It's called chetana. Ooh. You know. Ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> The difference between focusing through your chitta than through your manas, place, placing that in be you really are very clear about what kind of intention you are using, how things are affecting you, yeah. you are really clear about that. What well, the objects are, not that significant, what the heart is doing, very significant. Yeah. Because this is where the programs and patterns of our psychosomatic domain get established through intention, through this energy running out of the heart. And is there anything you'd like to comment on?
1: What was occurring to me was... Um There's just using the breath as an example of an object we're bringing attention to, it's like we can place attention on the breath, or we settle into a place where it's almost like the breath comes to us, it's like we receive the experience of the breath. And it's, it's a bit more global. And it's like the mind arrives at the capacity to do that. So it's like, a, like the metaphor of the ship coming into harbour. And uh, one of my, in a similar vein, just thinking about uh, an uh, inquiry, um, one of my teachers, Arjun Tejaniya, it's a Burmese monk he suggested to the group, he said, what's the difference between looking and seeing? So looking is where our mind goes, lands on one object and then the next, and seeing is already happening. So when you notice the looking, and it's an analogy for awareness, so I suppose it's different levels of receptivity. Would you say? Would you say different qualities of receiving?
0: Yeah, receiving. Energetically, you already stepped back into a, into a stable place. Whereas energetically, you're not moving forward. You're staying quite stable grounded, and grounded. Let it come to you. And You track what you are experiencing. Rather than search for something you should be experiencing, right? And if your, your attention is kept, you know, roughly where the entire body, as it arises for you, whatever your body is for you at this time, you're going to get the breath flow. It won't be necessarily air moving in, that'll be part of it, but it'll be the whole sense of everything. Just like we're doing in the Qigong. The Buddha called the breath the bodily formation. He's referring to prana, the vitality breath, anapanasati, vitality streaming through the embodied experience. As you breathe in and out, vitality streaming through the bodily experience. Right? So we track that, and it's rather nice. Uh, this is rather enjoyable because it's bringing, you know, refreshment and it's cleaning things. It's a happy experience, um, and so why the Buddha said, "Oh, this is really happy, pleasant experience. I recommend this." Oh, right, wonderful experience. Focus on. Well, not a happy experience because <laughs> we're looking in the wrong way at the wrong thing. Yeah, so that seeing is that receptive, open. Looking is already a compression. Yeah. Can you comment on the widely taught practice of one pointed concentration, please? Well, just to say that the word is used, ekagata and its various derivatives, is used. Um, chitta ekagata is samadhi. So the one pointed chitta is samadhi. Samadhi is one pointedness of chitta. One pointedness of chitta, right? The heart. Now, if you get Chitra's heart, the heart is one pointed. I want this. I'm going this way. This is where where I'm at, right? You know? Now that's not a focal point of attention. Right? It's not focused on this particular detail out here. My heart is resolved. You know? And So when the heart is resolved, because it's not wondering, should I be doing this, should I be doing that? Can I get some money? so it's not dealing with all this waffly proliferation, it's, it's resolved and how does it get resolved? Well there's a process called wise attention where you, you're scanning what's happening, oh don't bother with that, oh this is just stress, relax that, this is just verbal, stop that, this is just what happens, don't get caught up in it. You do this kind of filtering process, so the heart says, I'm not interested in that, I'm not even going to fight with it, I've had enough of it, I'm going to be with this. Then you establish sati. So, okay, now my heart is one-pointed. What's this body feel like? What is a body? I don't know a body. There's this breathing experience. Right? So it's like that. Now, I mean, if you look in the suttas, obviously, you know, I'm trimming it right down. And you can, you can look at it and prove me wrong, if you like. But that's what I see. I cannot, I have never found any point in the suttas where the Buddha says, concentrate on a point. He does say be mindful of sensations as they arise and pass. Be mindful of feelings as they arise and pass. But as they arise and pass. So yeah, a process is happening. And if you carry that through to the point when you're no longer reactive to feelings, sensations, yucitta is cooled down. It unifies in itself. Right? It unifies in itself. We really unify in awareness. And it's happy. It's associated with an uplifted, joyful state and contented. Ah. And he said this... This is more like samadhi. Now, where this other interpretation goes, which I am very familiar with and understand it – well, I don't understand it, but I, I know it a lot uh, – you know, it's a story. This is kind of what they call the analytical tradition, which started the Abhidharma and then what, what they call Vipassana, began as an analytical process. You know, That began sort of 250 BC, roughly. So that's the kind of, that's the foundation of that particular analytical process. And that became very dominant. And so you've got an analytical meditation which is actually seeing point, 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 and the idea is you, you find the space between the points. So it's very much like that. And that, that comes from that particular way of addressing experience. Which, yeah, what am I to say, if it works, good for you. But to say it's the only thing that works, or to say it's what the Buddha taught, is going too far. So I don't teach it. But it's very widely taught, isn't it? That… It is widely taught. So Because I, mean, I was thinking, I've tortured myself so much, particularly when I was younger, with this whole notion of, you know, I'm rubbish at attending to the breath and so forth. Which, as you say, becomes a, a joyless experience. It's not an open attention, it's. Yeah, we are quite uh, amazingly dedicated to torment. <laughs> a lot of faith, a lot of faith, but uh, you know. That's why I I teach an alternate approach for people like me who've who've had enough of it. Don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I really like. I mean, it's music to my ears. I really like Mm it. But I I suppose it's yeah. As I say, that whole sort of strong community that I suppose in that the mindfulness which is very much that strong. Yeah, I don't want to underestimate or kind of just dismiss everything, but it is important to get the sense of what analysis can do, which is to say, look, this is how you get stressed out because of that. There's the point. Stop it. <laughs> you know, you need that. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's discernment. And you need that just to kind of filter through to where you want to be, yeah, and what kind of impulses and energies and attitudes you want to support, because it eventually all comes down to that. You know, our, our minds are scrambled not because of data, but because of our fascination with data. <laughs> you know, there's as much data as you want to create, but it's our our you know fascination and, and dazzledness with it. Now, if we say, look I'm not interested. I'll do without, you know, and deal with the kind of uncertainty from an emotional place of steady and comforting and stabilising. Then, you know, you can really begin to understand the value of analysis uh, as as that which begins to separate the dross from from the gold. Lutejaniya was very good at actually looking at, you know, what support a particular mind so it's a useful analysis but it's not focusing on a particular point of sensation is it?
1: Can I add something? Please. What was occurring to me was the uh, way our head uh, has a way of understanding things or our mind has a way of understanding things and it's almost when that concurs with a a sense in our body of knowing as well, and a sense in our heart of knowing. Do you know when you meet something and you, there's this recognition. OK, this is doubt. And the recognition is accurate, there's a resonance in the body. Oh yeah, a, this, is a, this is true. This, this is on point in a way, because it's uh, accurate meeting in the moment. So it's uh, feeling those different levels of knowing. It's very helpful. Not just mm. the uh, passing out of this and of this and this.
0: I struggle with narratives filled with self-limiting beliefs I create in meditation and daily life. Can you help with this, please?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's actually something I I had in mind to speak to a bit because it's so uh, easy. It's like these thoughts come and we they just simply arise. we don't choose them and they they have their effect you know, they create contraction and uh, so the way I often contemplate this, uh, and I, I teach retreats on this theme because it's such a prevalent, uh, painful territory, and I, it's m- sort of n- named as the inner critic, but not to create a, p- a persona out of that, but more to give a frame for that sort of narrative. and. The way I I describe it, it's like uh, an experience happens, like we lose attention, so it's simply an experience. And then the narrative uh, makes that wrong, there's a feeling of wrongness, It it shouldn't have been that way. So that's the narrative, it's created this frame. And then it makes it personal. So there's been an experience, and then there's the judgement, and then there's the making it about me. And then it all happens in a nanosecond. You know? So one thing about naming it and recognizing the, the process of it is it makes something that's kind of whispering and insinuating Back here makes it a little more objective, something that is a learnt it's a sankhara basically it's a it's a, a pattern. and there's all sorts of reasons for it. and one of the main ones it's like trying to manage us. and it's a narrative in relationship to who we take ourselves to be it's trying to help us, (laughs) it's trying to help us get it right and motivate us, but as we see it, we see it actually hurts us, because uh, it's blaming and criticizing and rejecting. And the reason I teach courses on it is because almost everybody I've met, to be honest, even Senior monks and nuns. <laughs> it's, I mean, you teach on the inner critic, don't you?
0: Oh, I've taught retreats on it, I've written a book about it.
1: <laughs> how, how come you know so much about the inner critic? <laughs> <laughs> Merciless. You have a spiritual inner critic. It's got off the worldly stuff, it gets on to. After 30 years, you're still. da 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 da. You know? <laughs> Been a monk or nun for 22 years, you know, you still get caught by. I think to Arjun earlier when I was a, a nun, used to be another nun. We we used to sit around having porridge, and we had a little muesli bowl, and this other nun would pick out all the nice bits from the <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be so critical, <laughs> critical of her. So this kind of Inner critic finds its topics, and in the time of the Buddha, it's like the voice of Mara. So, is this helpful, actually? Just yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Thank you. Um, it just uh, I just think I had a small insight just in the lecture this morning when you were discussing narratives and how you are
1: constructing and reconstructing stories for yourself. Maybe maybe some of the inner critic's stories, the reality in that you repeat the habit but they're not reality, and that uh, it's
0: destined to, to be that way.
1: Exactly. So it's true, Like for instance, maybe there's been drowsiness in the mind, but then the second step of blaming and judging and making that per- something that's a personal failing, we can see as an add-on. And then when we recognize that, we can be curious about drowsiness. So our, a question I find helpful, in that inquiry you just described, you already discovered, is if I feel that sense of wrongness or tightening, self-rejection, I ask myself, what am I telling myself that's making me feel so wrong or not okay? It helps reveal the narrative. And then the objectivity what in itself brings a little bit of separation from it. We see for what it is actually a, a pattern that we've taken into the chitta. What's been taken into the chitta? Do you want to add anything? Or?
0: You have to um, just step right back. And why are you meditating? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a question as an answer to it, but that what really are we trying to do here? You know, what, we, what really are we trying to do? Mm. Maybe there isn't an answer, but begin to disengage from some of the meditation policies that we adopt, which attention is one of them. Mm. And yeah, attention's part of it. naturally it's part of what the mind does. The Buddha says, be attentive, listen up, wake up, obviously. That's a state of wakefulness. It's not an object-seeking mission. It's a state of wakefulness. recognizing everything we incline towards is going to have an effect. Be careful. Right. Samasankapa, where are you coming from? A mind of goodwill, a mind that's non judgmental, a mind that knows about letting go. Samasankapa, non cruelty, empathic, non withdrawal of empathy. Yeah. Cruelty means I withdraw empathy. Violence it means I like force. No violence. No callousness. No harshness. No judgement. Renunciation. Learn how to filter off what you don't need. Right? This is what we're doing, or this is what the Buddha sets up samasankapa. Yeah? And say, say, we just start sweeping around. Your experience, with that kind of intention, yeah. to others, to this. No force, no judgment. Filter out what you don't need. And if you do find, because of karma habits, there is force. There is judgment. Right. There is that then that particular quality is to be sensed. Where's it happening? It's a question, no answer. Okay, try it again. Where's it happening? It's a stirring, it's a tightening, it's an agitation, it's a fearfulness of getting it wrong. It's I've got to. There's where you bring the goodwill, is it? This where you bring the goodwill in. You know? This where you bring the loving kindness in. You know? Our life is a continual failure. <laughs> well, in many respects, mine is. You know, always forgetting things, dropping things, missing trains, bungling this, that, and the other. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the ability to manage data. My, my mind is getting less and less, not <laughs> more and more. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> because it, what gets liberated is the heart <laughs> from judgment, from harshness, and from the strategies that set it up. You know you should, you've got to get this, you've got to get that. you should be and those just back off those strategies, right? When they arise, that's yourself. That's your self structure. You know, as I was saying this morning, you know, you're gonna find it, but you won't won't recognise it. You won't recognize it. You'll think, oh my mind doesn't operate properly. No. It means your self structure is critical. <laughs> you know? And we read a lot of it, right? You know, it's not like, I mean, surely self-criticism is what we meet, feeling of inadequacy is what we meet, right? Could be better, it's written all over me. (laughs) But that's that's structured in, who's it talking about? Do I have to continually invest in my failure? Right? You know, if you took it to a body, you'd say, Well, you know, you're too short. You should be taller. Your ears stick out. Your ears are the wrong colour. You, you know, you could do that. And we'd, we'd say, Get off. You know, but we can do it to our minds, and our attention spans. We identify so strongly with that. Because particularly in this, you know, mainstream culture, that's kind of what we're doing from the age of three. Getting the numbers right, getting the details right, getting the data right, getting to work on time. This means that and that means that, we're doing this all the time. And we lose heart. Yeah. We lose heart, the energy goes the wrong way, yeah there's a place for that, but a place to yeah, do that rather than that, there's, yeah there's a place for that. If you ever make a self-definition out of it, and of course it's a, re- it's a reflex to do that reflex. Ok, so we witness that reflex and right here is where the goodwill is needed. Yeah. Right here is where the. How's it feeling, my body? How where's the where's the agitation stop? Just warm heartedness. Um, I mean, you know, that's that's the way. I mean, there's probably many other ways one could talk about it. I'm sure. No has got got the territory mapped out, but uh, that's how I put it. You know, it's not the it's not the flickering of intention that, that's the problem, it's what happens after it. You know, you just okay, put it back again. It's what happens after it, it's the problem.
1: One of the most helpful aspects in this contemplation for me has been when I feel the pain. The inner critic effect causes, then compassion responds to the pain. So it is quite difficult actually to think your way out of the inner critic, but when we feel the pain it causes us, that's quite helpful because it can bring a natural heart response, uh, kindness towards ourselves. So so thank you for bringing that up because I'm sure people can relate to it.
0: When do we choose open curiosity versus directed compassion or loving kindness? What is the relationship between them and their utility?
1: So, the way I like to contemplate uh, thinking, thinking mind, is uh, initially to sort of find some sort of steadiness of presence. So, what I do is I so let's say if the mind's really chattery, I uh, shift my attention from the, what I'm thinking about to the feeling tone of the thinking. And sort of just make space and connect to what's the energy of this mind. And just being present to that, a space comes. There's so a sort of being with and in connection, but not subsumed in it. And then if there's something key that's a a more core pull or more core something that needs to be heard more deeply, another layer if you like, usually becomes apparent. You could always say it's a bit like the sound bite in the chatter. Or it's like uh, you can feel the underlying agitation. And then you might feel, oh yeah, there's something in my heart, I'm there's some fear. And then you connect to the fear, oh, it actually it's a little bit of excitement, and joy, and it's also a little bit scared. So it's like you come closer to, to what's... what's um, so if you like if you the chitter, this quality of the heart-mind, this chitter field, It's like we can feel how it gets taken in particular movements. And then you, as you feel those, in that feeling of meeting, intuitively sometimes the response or the way of meeting this a little bit more fully than we've met it before, becomes apparent. It's like that. So in a simple way, you can say it's about connection. But if we just stay on that, again, analytic level, we don't necessarily deepen that connection. So that sort of receiving it beyond what I already know about it, in a way. It's a kind of nice analogy. And yeah, again, I think it's this sense, like Arjun's been talking about purpose. What's the purpose? Because it's so easy to get a bit like it's a project, <laughs> you know, this whole process. I like to think, I like to feel it as a... It's more about really understand, deepening the understanding of the heart, mind, body. Experiential understanding of it. Not so much what we're experiencing, but how we're experiencing. I was thinking earlier, Buddha Tabi gave this beautiful metaphor. He asked, what kind of quality, uh, I can't remember Correct me if I don't quote this properly, but what kind of quality of mind is needed at this point? It's just the night of his enlightenment, endeavor. And this image came to him of when he was a young boy sitting, it touches me actually, sitting under a rose apple tree, watching his father plow the field in a ceremonial activity. So he's with this person he's close to, he's sitting in this uh, scene, he sets this scene. So it's, uh, it's more like this chitter quality of um, feeling safe, feeling innocent, feeling open. Yeah. Thank you for your questions.